And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, in regards to this conversation, this is part one of a quick two-part series where we're going to talk about validating your app idea and testing your app idea. These are really, really popular subjects that come up off air for me. So I decided to bring in an expert to talk about both in a new captivating two-part series. So you will see these in the feed back to back. Now, before I talk about who I'm going to talk with, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io because hiring software developers is different, is different, is difficult. I'll get that right eventually. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today, I've got John Rake. And John, John is a fellow founder and author. He is the founder of Gorilla Bot Labs. Now you can go to gorillabotlabs.com. There is a link in the show notes that makes that even easier. There's once again a link to Full Scale as well, who's powering yet another Startup Hustle episode here live in the Startup Hustle studio in downtown Kansas City, Kansas. John Rake, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me, man. Really excited. Yeah, this has been such a popular topic. And I mentioned off air. So I get a lot of people that go to fullscale.io and fill out their information and we schedule a call and they're really early stage and they need to figure out, well, some of it's like, how do I validate this? And I try to do the best to give my my tips for that, but I'm looking forward to combining those with yours, which mm-hmm. originally came up. You wrote an ebook and were kind enough to share it with the world or close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Casey. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if you're a member of the Startup Hustle Facebook chat, you got a link to it. Maybe more of a reason to to join that that group, which has just gone over three thousand members. Thank you, everyone, for paying attention. Now, John, as as mentioned, we're going to do a two parter here, and we're going to start with validating your app idea. But with that, let's get a little bit more about your backstory before we begin our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of hopped onto the Casey startup scene back in we'll call it twenty fifteen or so. Uh, I'd done software for about 10 years uh, total. And um, really what happened was I had an opportunity to go work for Sandy Kemper and the C2FO squad. Uh, That was an amazing experience, which really formed um, some sort of skills that I had early in entrepreneurship for about two and a half years. So what I did there, um, I, I basically, not to, I mean, I basically made myself unemployable at that time. I just had an idea I had to get out and I wanted to really help founders kind of build their own dreams and create impact into the world. Fast forward since COVID started my own consulting business and I run through apps and founders all the time now. And they just, they have the same problem. They think they're ready to hire a developer, 
And the hard truth is they're usually not. Yeah. I run into that, uh, almost daily, yep. you know, I, I, uh, and I kind of shock people with it because, you know, they say, Hey, I'm ready to go. I I'm ready to let me build a team at full scale. And I say, you're not ready for what we do yet. And yeah. they're like, why? And I was like, hold my beer. You know, Cause <laughs> right. there's a lot of different reasons. Now I think part of the surprise comes from like, there's literally people ready to hand me money and I'm like, I'm not taking it because you got to do some stuff to be successful. And like our business models all around, like, well, a transparency, yeah. being founder friendly, and I'm not being founder friendly if it's a cash grab and I want to let you fail. Another thing too, is we just don't like failing. Right. So, you know, well, it they, doesn't make yeah. you look good. Well, and there's a, a few things you talk about like validation. So let's just jump right in. So like, I mean, this is a tough question to answer with, with any degree of brevity, but you talk about like the steps that you need to take to validate an app idea. Right. I mean, is it fair enough to say that you could just start by writing a little something down? Uh, yeah, you should probably start with <laughs> pen and paper. Everything we're going to hit so many topics yeah. in this series. Yeah. All of it boils down to try to find an easier way to do it before you whip out the wallet. Well, and, and so, and some of that too, is I, I talk to folks and they're like, Hey, I'm ready to do this. I'm like, okay, did you pick out a, a, a template? And they're like, I want it to be original. I'm like, it still will be. Yeah. Like just like based for like MVP level stuff. Like there's like $300 commercial use templates that have all the framing and plumbing in there. Yeah. And that'll save you like five to 10 grand and probably have a, a more solid framework Mm-hmm. Meaning like if you have to build everything custom, just don't, it, yeah, don't just don't. Is that, that's a fair way to say it, right? Yeah. You don't realize how much you're costing yourself because the developer on the other end is just going to say, yeah, sure. And let's build it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you just got charged five grand for a thing that you didn't even really care about. Well, and well, and, and that's another thing too, when we bring in a new, like a, 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 we don't do a lot of fresh software builds at Fosco. Yeah. We really kind of help you scale your team, but, but with that, I tell anytime we've had a fresh software build and I'd say whether you're using us or using someone else, be prepared to be underwhelmed in that <laughs> first month because the framing and plumbing thing, like it you takes a while, you don't get to build walls and a roof and like a cool kitchen and like pick your paint colors and stuff like that. No. Before you build the framing. Yeah. I mean, the analogy is perfect. It's like HGTV. You turn it on. They don't show you the six month construction process. They show you three pictures. Yeah. Right. Cause it's not sexy to watch all that, but that's the truth. Well, and that's the thing. And it's, it's tough sometimes to understand if you're making any progress or to feel good about it yeah. when you just don't see anything because yeah. those aren't, those aren't the sexy parts. That's not like, yeah. that's not like things actually going to, so you do actually recommend that people use some kind of framework or template. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of validating or building, yeah. um, I would say yes for both. So the ebook is the validation framework. And then when you actually go through that and you're ready to hire a developer, I strongly recommend you work with people that don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, well, so, and that can go two ways because there's going to be two types of people. Well, probably three types of people listening to this one, people that haven't built anything and have an idea Two people that have tried to build something and haven't done it successfully or three actual like traction type software companies that have processes, people and resources to now spin out whatever they do. Mm -hmm. Now I think the larger bot, the larger sample size is going to be in one, the first and the second group. Yeah, probably. 
So now when it comes to building apps and doing a lot of stuff, um, you talk about like, well, the customer journey, um, is there a one size fits all approach? Um, more or less. Yeah, there usually is. Um, what I like to kind of tell people with the customer journey is you need to think about what the customer actually wants to do from their perspective. It's not what you want them to do. That's a big problem people run into. We kind of assume that the, the client or the customer coming in wants to do what we want them to do. So you need to really think about beginning to end. And that doesn't even include your app. So how do they learn about your app? Like people don't search the app store and just randomly install shit anymore. They haven't done that for a long time, really. So do they see a Facebook ad? Do they see an email? Do they see an ad on a podcast? That's your first step. Then they go to the app store, they download, they register, go through that whole process from start to end of what they want. That's the customer journey. Well, unlike Field of Dreams, um, just because you build it does not mean they will come. Yeah, that's the hardest. In fact, it's probably overwhelmingly fair to say that they aren't unless you do something to promote it or hype it. And the app store is not a friendly place to do that. No, I mean, it definitely plays favorites to older apps um, and stuff like that. There's a whole like science and SEO Mm -hmm. that goes with that and gaining that original, that initial traction. Like, do do, do you go, are you an iPhone or an Android? iPhone. Okay. So if you're in the app store, Mm -hmm. is it fair to say if you see an app with two reviews, you're like, maybe later. How I would argue even further, I probably never would even find that app. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's definitely not a good thing. Yeah. So, okay. So when there's definitely not a one size fits all that, I think there's something I want to squeeze in here too. When you're talking about like the, the planning and the customer journey. All right. So if you're old enough to remember 10 years ago mm-hmm. when so many software companies and just things, they either had like an iOS app or they had an Android app and they often didn't have both. And then they were building two different products and the world of technology uh, over the last several years has really kind of solved that with cross compatible platforms. Mm -hmm. You had things like Xamarin that that aren't as popular now as it would be. You had uh, uh, Ionic, which was Angular's version also not gaining a lot of traction and then kind of the, the elephant in the room react native right now, which seems to be really, really popular, at least by the requests that I get from people wanting to build stuff and then up and coming stuff like flutter. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the, the thing is, is you got to, well, if you look back at the height, the, uh, the habits of highly effective people, they began with the end result in mind. Right. And you got to do that. So the thing is, is like cross compatible is I'm shocked at how many people I talk to that have never even thought about it. Yeah, they just they just don't know it's possible because to them, it's that's a difference of like the implementation of a thing versus the product. They view it as different. So they assume I need to hire two different developers. Well, and that's the whole purpose is if you do that, if you build a separate. So we're talking about the code that you use to build your app and you have. Really, there's two platforms. There's iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. And if you just go in straight and build and you're not using a cross-compatible code base, you're going to end up building two different products. And let's talk about why this is important to know, because that means that's two different things to update. That's two different things to improve. It's two different things to maintain. And oftentimes, it's two different developers that need to do that. So double the cost, half the time 
of getting it done mm-hmm. and shit, you got to babysit. Yeah. And often people think that because it's two different developers, they can work simultaneously perfectly. No. And the answer is absolutely not. It's managing two people yeah. is not the same as managing one. No. And then all, and they got to communicate to each other and they're, and then your apps, they're going to always, they're going to, no matter how much you don't want them to, they'll be different. Mm-hmm. So what these cross compatible code bases you do is they, and here's another thing that people don't understand. They spit out a version that's mostly ready right, for either environment. So like, yeah, it's yeah. It, like react native doesn't just give you instant. Like what we find is you often have to have a little bit of experience with iOS or Android to really, it gets you really close. Yeah. You, the person using your application at the end, when you're using this cross platform, they're not going to know it's cross platform. They're going to expect it to be Android mode, yeah. Android, whatever yeah. they expect that. So with the button in the right place, the text in the right place, if they, if it feels off, it's going to feel weird to them. So you look at the, the difference in approach there. You've got two to the first case, you've got two different people building you two different products, mm-hmm. or you could have two people working together on the same thing mm-hmm. that accomplishes a more efficient and better outcome. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, so yes, cross compatible. I think if you're building from scratch, you need, I talk to a lot of people that are getting away from their old app code because they've realized, oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of crap to deal with here. There's a weird kind of curve where in the beginning, cross-platform is a no-brainer. And then when you get to the scale of like your Airbnbs, you actually see them go backwards. Yeah. But that's like, worry about that when you get there and you have 100 employees. Yeah, or or you, any users. Right. Yeah. Traction. So, so a couple of things is, and once again with me today, I've got John Rake and John's the founder of GorillaBot Labs. He does a lot of work with founders to consult and help you build, go to gorillabotlabs.com. I also want to point out, I'm stealing your material here. I gave it to you. Yeah. Yeah. In regards to the the conversation we're having. So this isn't, you know, this is your outline or can we share the ebook? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. then there's a link for that in the show notes too. Yep. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. You put that out there just to help people out, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How's that going? Uh, I mean, that's just the way I like to view business. Yeah. Like I want my, I want my free stuff to be so good. You want to work with me and you'll pay yeah. any price. And that's the key. I mean, I think that, cause let's be realistic. You put this stuff together, you have the playbook there, but I mean, this, these were known things. Oh I, yeah, yeah. This is not really yeah. that. I, I explicitly say where I got the inspiration yeah. in the ebook. Yeah. And that's, I, I love that. That's, I mean, that's like the, why we do this podcast. That's why we've published hundreds of blogs at fullscale.io. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. And while we're at it, before we continue, finding expert software developers does not have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably, use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs, and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Go to fullscale.io to to learn more. Now, we mentioned earlier that like a lot of people aren't ready for a developer or ready at uh, for something like full scale, that's kind of what you help them prepare for. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. All right. So do you have to, do you have to have a live app to validate your stuff? Um, no, I mean, so we, we were talking a little bit earlier about implementation for what you do in the code versus what the user sees and what they expect and understand. The honest truth is no, you can fake most of this in a weekend or two and not pay a developer 30, 50 grand, whatever. Like it's just going to, it's going to be faster. It's going to be cheaper. 
So I get a lot of people that build stuff and I'm like, why isn't it in the app store? They're like, well, I don't know if it's ready yet. And I ask him, I'm like, "Uh, is anyone even going to see it? Yeah. The answer is obviously no. And they have no real feedback. It's all assumptions. That's the point. I mean, like literally it's hard. It's not like you're just going to be at the first of the list on the, on day one, like put your stuff out there, let people use it. You have some like wildly successful people in life that will be quoted. Like if you don't look back at your first release with absolute terror, then you held on to it for too long. Yeah. Put it out there, get the feedback. I have been so, have you been guilty of overbuilding shit in the past? This, like, this is the hardest lesson of my life. I yeah. would have called myself a perfectionist five yeah. years ago. I had to overcome that. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. So that feedback will prevent you. I, I did that with Gigabook. There was like right before we launched it, and this was years ago, I was positive because I felt that my own personal history and needs yep. had to have a high level of accountability, like marking like when you had made a phone call or it was like all sales-based stuff. So I built a really sophisticated, like basically a tracking, like activity tracking feature in there. Mm-hmm. And then no one used it. Yeah. Except for me. Instead of doing something different that everyone was asking for, but I didn't even know they were asking for it because we waited to push it out. And then when we pushed it out, people were like, oh, I wish we had this, this, or this. I'm like, well, if I would have known that sooner, I could have actually saved time, saved money. Yeah. Because yeah. resources are finite. So, all right. So why do you need a prototype? Well, I think we laid it out pretty good there. You need a prototype because your whole goal before you have an MVP and we can get into why people don't actually have MVPs when they think they do mm-hmm. is you need actual data. You need feedback. Your goal is not to make money right away. Your goal is to prove something works and the prototype helps you get to a stage where you can gain feedback in weeks, not months. And it doesn't cost you thousands of dollars. When I talk to founders that have an app idea and uh, they want to get funded, uh, it's a different approach pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, some investors have appetite for app only companies and some won't touch them. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that will get attention is users. Yeah. Users. You look at like snap. I have a funny story about snap. I was in, uh, seven years ago, I was in New York city and I went to a meeting with a guy named Kurt McDonald that was in times square. And I, and I, you know, here I am like Times Square is Times Square. I go up to this meeting they had this huge office. I was like, who's across the hall from you? Like, I don't know this, uh, this new app, they're called Snapchat. And like, what do they do? It's like, I don't know. They're like messing, they're making glasses or doing something weird. And like, that was like before anyone had ever heard of Snap. But with that, companies like that are more concerned about driving in users and daily users. And that's what gets the attention. Yeah, of course. Not the other way around. No, go go talk to a single angel investor and tell them you want money, but you don't have attraction yet. Yep. You get laughed out of the room. All right. So if we're going to create a prototype, what do we, what, uh, you know, well, what do we need to do before that? It's, it's kind of the same thing with validation, like have some plan. Yeah. I mean, you got to start with a plan, right? You need to understand, you know, the problem you're solving, which is kind of a prerequisite. I don't, I just kind of assume you have a good problem that you're going to be solving. Um, you need to understand the customer at a decent level. And I don't mean like general demographic stuff, like what are they actually interested in? What do they care about? What motivates them? Then you need the customer journey, which we talked about a bit before. And um, honestly, at that point, you're ready to kind of, you know, sketch it on some paper, get a comfortable feeling of what you think you need to build screen wise and find some prototyping software that works for you. There's tons of them out there. Let's throw a couple out. 
Sure. Uh, I use Proto.io for everything. And I recommend that to most students that come through the, um, the kind of like client coaching sessions that I have. And the reason I do that is because it's simple. It has templates and you don't need to reinvent the wheel. But I mean, Adobe has great ones. Um, even uh, if you want to be super simplistic, something like Canva even works. Yeah. Like, I've literally used yeah. Keynote and Apple before. It's an image. You're faking an app. You're not building an app. Yeah, and you, and with that, you're just trying to, it's a pseudo wireframe yep. and that like, we're going to go from A to B to C to D to E to F to G. Hopefully. Yep. Hopefully. And the key here is it must look real and it must yeah. feel real. Well, there are, and some of the, and if you want to be more advanced with the prototyping software, like you can actually make it clickable. You can create a customer journey. It'll show you like, I click here, I go to this screen. I click here, I go to that screen. I do all that. And now from a developer standpoint, in my opinion, when you have something like that, your developer's going to hit the ground running. Absolutely. Because the developers are, are carpenters in, in so many ways. Like they, they see a plan and they, if they're doing their job, they're, building it the way it's supposed to be, but also looking for critical issues that your plan may not have accounted for. Yeah. And that's some of the stuff that comes up. Now you're not going to always know what those are. Um, Yeah. So, all right. So the kind of the follow-up is, you know, if, why do you need to create it to validate it? Why do we need to create the prototype itself? Yeah. Well, so let's, your goal is obviously to build an app and make money. Well, to do that, you need to know what's going to get the customer to actually register, get them to use it, get them to trade money in some way. In that, for that regards, you need to actually give them a thing that they would want to trade money or in, immerse them in an experience that they understand to be real in that way. So you can either build it or you can do a prototype and fake it. Well, I say prototype is what you need. And the reason why is because it's just going to be cheaper and faster than a developer. Like, um, we, we don't need to get into super specifics, but I generally give people the estimate of if you want to build an MVP ish thing, minimum three months, minimum 30 to 50 K. And that's like on the cheap end of like freelancing stuff. Well, how many people actually want to do that with a risky idea? Right. But if you're not willing to put skin in the game. I agree with that. Then a lot of people are going to wonder why. Yeah. Everyone says go out and get an investor. But I, the first question investors will ask is often, well, do you have any skin in the game here? Why should I trust you? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's why should I trust you? Now, the thing is, is if you're like a broke 20 year old. Yeah. That's one thing. If you're not and you have no skin in the game, then that's going to be a huge red flag. Yeah. If you're not putting time or money in, it's hard to take you seriously. Yeah, I agree. So when you look at, at apps in general um, and you talk, you know, so we, we've gone through a few things, you know, we've talked about, you know, the validation, how you can prototype it, the value of using like templated framework, because that really will save you five to 10 grand yeah. right there. I mean, and that's simple and, and, and don't fool yourself. Your idea isn't so unique that you can't customize some existing framework. I would argue you don't even want to be unique. Yeah. Right. Well, unique requires training for the user. Yeah. I mean, do the, the stuff that people expect you to do. And some of that involves fast and easy sign in and sign up, Mm -hmm. like make it so I can sign in with my Google account or my LinkedIn or something. S S O single sign on. Yeah. So I can click a button 
and get into the app. If you make it difficult for me to get into your app or to get it set up, I will not use your app. That's a really good point about the prototype because you're going to see them actually click the buttons and you're going to literally see them yeah. get frustrated with things. Yeah. They don't have to tell you. You can yeah. just watch them hate it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the thing is I'm, dude, I'm such a nut about onboarding. Yeah. People, people that listen to the show are literally thinking right now, oh no, he's going to get up on the onboarding. So is this a rant? But no, it needs to be because yeah. if it's different, like, okay, you look at all the products that you know and are familiar with, like Twitter was one of the, the first truly like well-known, like was like micro onboarding. It like took two seconds. It was like enter your name, enter your email. And then they wanted like a basically like 160 characters or less. Mm-hmm. Boom. And you were in and you were on and that signs people up. If it, and where people fail, it's like, well, I want to validate an email. I want to get 10,000 things. I'm on my phone, dude. I don't want to type this shit in piece by piece. Get them in the app, and then you can ask these questions later if you need to. I have these conversations routinely with serial entrepreneurs. It's, isn't it crazy? It's crazy. So if you're feeling like you don't understand or this is confusing or you make these mistakes, trust me, you're not alone. Yeah. It's probably one of the, you, you mentioned the not alone thing. That's probably one of the, uh, the stronger comments that I've received like uh, regularly over, yeah. over the years. People are like, man, I love startup hustle. Cause you get, you're not afraid to talk about what you suck at. And I'm like, well, I hope you benefit from that. And they say, I think the thing I benefit the most from is feeling like I'm not the only person that's frustrated with a lot of this stuff on a lot of days. Yeah. Building software is hard. Building yeah. apps is hard. Building anything that matters is hard. And if you're not into doing hard things, mm-hmm. this might not be for you. Yep. So part of so when you think about validating something, and you mentioned some people build, I want to talk a little bit about how some people build an MVP. Well, they think they are and they're not. So I actually went through this after about a year and a half of building Gigabook. The the lead developer I had, he said, Hey man, um, let's talk for a minute. And I said, what's up? And he said, cause at this point we had stacked a bunch of stuff on top of a bunch of other stuff, which made it really complex. And he goes, you keep talking about building a platform, but I need to tell you, that's not really what we're doing here. So when you talk about a platform, it meant something that we could duplicate, morph, change, update. Like it was, this was back before everyone had really switched over to MVC or OOP type stuff. Mm-hmm. So we would try to fix one thing and break four other things. Classic. And, and so some of that, you know, you look at like, I mean, just simple validation of, is this standing on the kind of foundation that we want it to? Uh, but, you know, like when you look at, the, so that's one form of validation, but anyway, let's get into like why some people are building an MVP and some people aren't. Um, well, can you clarify a little bit? What do you, so, all right. So I think people go into an app idea, whether it's web or mobile, uh, so many times and they're like, okay, there's six things that I want this to do. So I'm going to start building all six of them. Yeah. Let's try to be a plus at one of them. Let's just start there. What's oh the most God. important problem you solve? Cause if you, if you have to split your attention and your effort and your resources across six different things, you're well, it's the same thing I mentioned with like part-time help. If you have part, like part-time attention usually equals a fraction of the result that you want. Not, not 50%, 
like way less. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I like hiring. That's well, at full scale, our developers only work for one client because I want at a time because I want them to wake up with the problems of that client yeah, on yeah, their yeah. mind, and that's what they're going to solve. But I mean, I think the main thing is, as you mentioned, an MVP is not a complete product. No, and nor it's not a complete product and it's not your 1.0. It's not your first release. Like that's, they're not synonymous terms. An MVP is you can put something into the market and people will give you money for it. Like that's generally what I consider an MVP. And so if you're taking this thing if you're not comfortable taking your idea to like an investor or pitching it or something, you definitely don't have an MVP. We'll just start with that. Yeah. And so MVP, many, many people, minimum or minimally viable product. I prefer a min, uh, minimum lovable product. That's a good way to put it too. Like it puts it needs, the- that's what it needs to be. It's like, and that's where the most straightforward thing and be aces at it. And so, yeah, I've been talking about Gigabook, but I'll compare the two. So Calendly came out at the same time mm-hmm. the Gigabook did. That's a multi-billion dollar company. They're doing pretty good. Gigabook is not. But, <laughs> you know, so one of the things when it came out, we were like, God, this is just the simplest thing ever, but they got real good at it. And that was the one thing that people needed. So like Calendly, it's just a bridge to a Google calendar. That's yeah. really all it is. And it's still almost all they do, but they're really good at it where Gigabook was inherently complex, really customizable, appealed to like, I mean, a whole bunch of other stuff. And if I look back at it, we would have been really smart to be really, really good at one thing. And I think apps really need to go there too, because you don't have the big screen for a user to work on. It needs to be like, I mean, mobile compatibility and web compatibility are different. Yeah. It it constrains you in a pretty good way because the screen space makes it so you can't just jam everything on there. Although some people will still try. Um, But yeah, I really consider the MVP um, is if you're, When you design this thing, and I know many of you will, or you'll be sketching it or whatever you're doing in your spare time, because you don't, you're not building the code, you don't have that. So you're doing everything else you can. You're going to be putting so much effort into features that you have no idea if people want. And that's fine when you're just drawing in a sketchbook for 15 minutes. When you go to give that to a developer, that every word you say is like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is another thing too, is like, I mean, once again, your developers are going to, well, if they're doing their job, they build what you tell them to build. Yeah. If you, if you're confident and you say you want a feature, they're not going to push back that hard. Yeah. And that's the thing because they're not necessarily. It's not really their job. Well, no. And that, well, uh, let's talk about that for a second because you hear the term, you hear UI, UX. Yeah. What does that even mean? Because I think most people use the term, but they don't. No, machine learn, AI, crypto. A lot of terms out there these yeah. days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did an acronyms episode once before I, re- before I realized that that was a really bad topic to do with Matt Watson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want a good laugh, go find the acronyms episode. It's nice. like it's like episode one twenty or something. Yeah. Uh, UI UX is a term you're going to hear a lot, and um, it just means user interface, user experience. UI, I consider to be the design, the art, the painting on the wall, and the user experience would be how a customer actually interacts with your product. I personally view user experience far more important than UI, Um, but I think people like the UI because it just looks good. It feels sexy. 
So one of the things I'm going to talk about when it comes to user experience is that's back to onboarding. Yep. So there's a, there's a, um, kind of a old business school type formula that, uh, the number of steps to accomplish any type of goal or outcome, um, should be multiplied by itself. You want to talk about the complexity of getting someone to use it mm-hmm. and doing it successfully. So if you have a thousand people at your organization and you want to roll out a new point of sale system, it, this is a good example, but the same thing applies to apps and processes and anything. So let's take a six step process. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, so six times six is 36. If you take a three-step process, many people are going to think, oh, well, the six-step process might be twice as hard to teach because it has twice as many steps. Not true. It's actually four times harder because if you take the, this is like a complexity score. So six times six is 36. Yep. That's your six-step process. And now you take a three-step process, three times three is nine, divide one into the other. And that is actually, and this holds water. Like this oh, yeah. is a very well-known supply chain formula. It's a training formula. It's an onboarding formula. Well, how many times have you had someone say, let's put another developer on it. I want to 2X my speed. That's not the way that works. Not either. the way it works. Yeah. Same yeah. problem. And so, but the, I, I have found that looking at it that way. So if you have a six-step process for training or onboarding, you will have four times less success than yeah, a three-step. It's a good way to think and, about it. And it really, and, and you'll see this reflect in so many, all of it, all of it. That's what there's, I mean, this is why Amazon probably has is billions of dollars into like the one click purchase. Yeah. I just swipe that thing all day. That Well, that's the thing. So does my wife. Yeah. So does my wife. I think we were talking about that before we, we were. started the show. Jill quit buying shit on Amazon. She doesn't listen to the show. I can say that's good. whatever I want. Yeah. That's so I tell her all the time. She'll she'll ask. She'll say, "Oh, you see the bank did statement? You record, did you record the? Did were you, did you do the podcast or something?" I was like, "Yeah, we talked about you the entire episode." And she never believes me. So I may actually at some point do an episode just about my wife to see if she listens. There you go. You think people would appreciate that? I, I think it'd be pretty hilarious. I, it might be funny. Yeah. It might be your worst I might episode. Not be, I might not be. Well, it might be my best as well. You could yeah. spin it like entrepreneurship and family relationships, how to balance them. We've done some of that. My uh, wife doesn't like public speaking, so she's declined to be on. I ask her almost every day. She'll be like, are you recording the podcast today? Because I have two kids. When I have kids at home, I'm yeah. like, yeah, unless you want to sit in for me. And she declines all the time. Oh, it's so. just a conversation. Yeah. So, all right. So, you know, I, part one of part two, there's a link to John's uh, ebook outline. And with that, a reminder that John Rake is the founder of GorillaBot Labs. Go to GorillaBotLabs.com to learn more about his services and maybe hire him. Oh, that's a good pitch. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, I, you know, and, and John can get you ready for a team at full scale. Um, and, you know, that's where I kind of want to round out this, this first installment because, all right, so first off, you don't need to pay someone to create and a prototype or a mock-up or any of that. There's a ton of, like you mentioned, proto.io, Adobe yeah. has some things like you can get in there and, and look, someone out there's thinking, well, I don't know how to use either of those. Guess what? Neither did we before we tried them the first time. Oh yeah. Get in there and figure it out. Pick one that has a really great um, tutorial education system that are actually going to give you videos and watch. That's why I recommend Proto. One that has a small number of steps to help you accomplish anything. Oh my God. They're going to be so overwhelming the first time you get in there. Yeah. Take a break, go get a coffee. And then they aren't. Yeah. I mean, that's basically how it goes. You got to lay it out and get you. Now this is 
So we're being ballers on a budget here. Now, yep. if you have some resources, you want to accelerate the process. That's where guys like you yep. come in and help and lay it out. Like what's your, what are some of your comments about what that process looks like for uh, in terms of like hiring someone yeah, to do so it, I go to grillaboutlabs.com yeah. and I reach out and I'm like, Hey, I got this idea. I heard you on startup hustle. You sounded mm. somewhat like, you know what you're talking about. I'm pretty good. Yeah. So, so let's, let's get into that. But what does that process look like? I mean, how, what should someone expect when hiring a, a consultant? Well, you should always expect an opening consultation, right? That's when you're dealing with more expensive products, if someone's not giving you a couple hours free just to learn about you, that's probably a red flag. Um, at least for me, I really view it as I'm, I'm not just going to take your idea at face value and assume it's really good. And I really don't think anyone should, but there are people who will just take your money and build it. And that's okay. But we really need to validate the idea because what I don't want you to do is run off, launch this thing into the app store, and then you just vanish from Google and you turns into a digital paperweight in two years that does nothing. So we, we're all about validating. We're trying to get you in, understand it. We're going to put you through the ringer a little bit. So you actually, I will take money to build your prototype. I don't prefer to do that. Um, I will always recommend that you try to do it free first because the amount of people I've seen Hire a consultant when they have no experience in that job and just get total crap on the other end yeah. is shocking. Oh, it's it, well, it used to be shocking. Now I, I kind guess of it's expect fair. it. Yeah. Like that's bad though. That's you, not a good thing. No, it's not. Yeah, you shouldn't have to expect the world of contractors to suck. Yeah. They it's anyway, we'll just move on from that rant. But, I, actually, I don't think we should. I think oh, we okay. should actually mention a couple of red flags that like that could come up. Like you mentioned, so I love your approach because I think that founders and people that are building stuff should be involved in all the steps. That's why having, you know, ownership. So I get all these people that call me and they're like, well, I've got this something. Yeah. Does it suck? And I'm like, well, first off, we, that's not my job to tell you that. And I'm like, well, tell me about your experience. And they hired. So for me, red flags for people that, that are inquiring about our services, they say things like, how much will it cost? How long will it take to, to be done? Okay, if you're trying to launch an app and a software idea, it's never done. It yeah. is never done. Your expectation and your business model need to revolve around the fact that what you're building is like a child. It requires attention mm -hmm. and maintenance. And if you abandon it, then it's going to either grow up very wild and feral or be taken away from you in some regards. If, if you don't have a maintenance plan, at least yeah. a few months out, you're going to be in deep doo-doo yeah. in about a year. Now with, now I tell anybody that's building a web app, it's never done. Apps actually on some level can have a level of finality. Sure. That, but you still need someone to maintenance it. And There's, see, that's it. And I tell people straight up, I'm like, that's not, I can't, if you don't want to keep someone full time at full scale on your project, because we don't do developers part time. Yeah. So now I, I actually fundamentally agree with that. You yeah. can't split time as a consultant. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's a challenging thing. And then another thing too, is like, you look at, well, why people ask me a lot. They're like, well, you've got all this. Well, I have so much demand for my services right now. I don't I need to sell part time stuff. Also, it's just a shitty way to do it because if both clients end up growing up yeah. and then how do you split the baby? 
and then and then you want the morning time to overlap with yours that person can't be on two calls at the same time it's just not the right way to do it but just know so here's the thing is this is what happens a lot is people hire they find they hire people to build something and it's short term and then they build it and then some that person's gone into the vapor of the world and the universe. Yep. And now later you need help with that. And it, to the untrained and the inexperienced, they think any developer can just get in there and just fix the problem and know what's up. And mm. that's not the case. All right. How much time we got left? I can rant a while. I, I know. I get, well, but I think it's important. We, I like to throw a little bit of failure and how to avoid it in every episode because I think they're going to save more money from that than anything else. But those are orphaned products. Yeah. At that point. And it's hard to take care of them because as a developer, can you get into my app and fix what I need fixed? Like in two minutes, it's if you hired an elite developer, you can probably find another developer to take over the project. If you went cheaper on development, and I'm not going to say how you went cheaper, but you can probably imagine there is no way in hell a new developer wants that project. They're going to look at it and go, I could rebuild this in a month. Yeah. I'm just going to suggest we rebuild it. And and whenever I hear a developer say that, what I really hear is I don't understand what I'm seeing and how it works. Yeah. So in way. some cases, that's like what you mentioned. It can go two ways. One, it's dog shit and just needs to be rebuilt. Yeah. Or two, I don't get any of this and it's easier for me to tell you to rebuild it than it is for me to figure out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, these are all not good things no. for your app because you're creating redundancy in your software development lifecycle, meaning you're rebuilding things that you didn't need to rebuild. And so the rule of thumb is if you have to, and this is the same thing goes from like switching teams to another team. It takes a developer a couple of weeks, a week or two to even good ones to understand the code. Yeah. And like get it and not, you know, so anyone that's like, yeah, I can get right in and fix it. Be wary. Break on the other side of it. What did you mess up? Yeah. Oh, they don't know. How do you even know? How and do you then, even know? And then some of it too is there's a lot of people in general that are like, oh, if I can see, this is the difference from our mentality. Like I mentioned, we're turning tons of people away because yeah. you're not ready. Because the thing is, is I don't want to. I don't want you thirty thousand dollars down the rabbit hole, and you're like, wow, this is crap. This yep. is not what I want. This is not what I hope for. This is not what I needed, like any of that stuff. And I mean, these are the things that you have to avoid, but that's what happens when you create orphan products. So, hey, look, Ooh. we normally don't talk about this on the air, but we're being delivered beverages right now. Well, thank you. And, and trash. Thank you, Jessica. Quite nice. See, yeah, I know. She's assuming that we're still talking about about important stuff. But, yeah. but no, you mentioned that. And I mean, this is, this is why I'm not a big fan of like finding that loosey goosey contractor that's in Bangladesh that look, the, like you mentioned, there's a yeah. big difference between cheap and valuable. <laughs> there's and a that's different. Affordable and cheap are way different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it, for those of you who are concerned about outsourcing versus not outsourcing, it's not a uniquely a problem with just outsourcing. You can find plenty of oh, yeah. local freelancers who will do just as shitty of a job yeah, for a lot more. And they'll really yeah. charge you more too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's the main thing. Like, I mean, that's the whole thing we do at full scale. So if you need help hiring software engineers, testers, or leaders, let full scale help. We have the people and the platform to let you build and man- to help you build. I can't read today. Man. You're doing great. Keep it yeah. up. I, you know, I'm so old that I'm on like 
80 point font on here too. I just and I'm wearing my glasses. So it's downhill once you get my age, just so you know. Now, what's not downhill is the experience of building and managing a team of experts when you visit fullscale.io. Look, all you got to do is go to fullscale.io, answer a couple questions on our Get Started page, and you let our platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders at Fullscale. We specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. Do you know we only hire like one in 30 candidates? It's not bad. I mean, that's, yeah, but I got to No, I mean, I like in get, terms of quality. Get, well, that's how specific we are. Yeah. And that's like part of it. So, you, you know, one thing that as we, as we exit part one and part two and come right back. So this comes out on a Friday. Next one's coming out on a Monday. You don't have to search. It's going to be back to back in the feed. There's also a link to John's ebook about how to create this as well as links to Gorillabot Labs, fullscale.io. And who knows? You never know. Ooh. When you go to the show notes, you'll find out. There could Secret be a, goodies. Could, yeah, it could be a hidden surprise. There's probably not. Oh. I know. We don't really think that far in advance. I'll come up with something. We want to be sophisticated in that regard. Now, you talk about experience and, and quality. Um, there are a ton of people out there that know what they're doing. Uh, find them. I mean, it's. I know that sounds like super easy, but find them. And, you know, you ask, like... You know, if you talk about validation, and I think the thing I want to say is we kind of like do the founder, we normally do the founder freestyle here. So we'll kind of run right through this. But I mean, really, in the end, like when I as the founder of a company that provides dev services, you're the founder of a company that provides similar services Mm -hmm. that are quite different at the same time. But, you know, as I've I, I was making fun of my age earlier, but with that comes a lot of experience. And I have really learned to appreciate guys like you. Mm. where 15 years ago, I just wanted to do it all myself, figure it out myself. I'm like, why do I need to pay someone else? Like it's, it's like the idea that people complain. They're like, my attorney's 500 bucks an hour. You're not paying for that hour. You're paying Mm. for all the hours prior to that one where that person learned a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. Um, there's a relationship with time and money that, uh, is a struggle for some people. Um, I had to overcome some of that, but it's, it's value, man. Focus on the value, focus on what it's worth to you whatever that looks like. And time does matter. Oh yeah. I mean, time definitely matters. And you know, the thing is, as you mentioned, cheap compared to affordable. I got a, uh, I got groceries delivered the other day cause I didn't want to spend the half hour cause I did the math on it. And I was like, yeah. I could just work. Well, time's more valuable than that. And that's the whole thing. So, you know, people that are experts and, and know where to hit it with the hammer. Um, they, they build stuff a lot faster than the guy that's like, where's the nail? Do you want me to hit this nail with the hammer? Mm. Yes, please. Do you want me to hit this next nail with the hammer? Yeah, let's do that one too. How about, do you want me to hit this third nail with the hammer? Because if you are working with people that have no freaking clue, what mm-hmm. they're doing, that is the equivalent of what that's going to sound like. It's going to feel bad. I feel like this is a good place to end. Come back for part two. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.